Why do we keep buying new stuff when our old games go unplayed? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we're going to introduce you to a pair of twin problems that often afflict people just starting to seriously get into the hobby, and veterans who can't get enough of the latest and greatest. It's the cult of the new and the pile of shame. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, my friends. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Mandy Gelsma. Hello. And Dan Legault. Hey, hey. So, the cult of the new. This is something that you see discussed on places like BoardGameGeek.com. Does a game seem inherently more attractive than an older, time-tested game? What is it that drives so many people to have to get the latest and greatest when they've already got stuff that they probably should be playing? I think it's something that's just part of our culture <laughs> to some extent, right? People like the new shiny thing than they do the old thing that they have. It, it's pretty much been the case. It's consumer culture wise yes. forever. Um, with board games too, it's uh, it's not only that; it's the new experience as well. It's it's I could play that game that I played like five or six or even ten or twelve or twenty times, but this new thing. It's new. It's so it's the potential. It could be potentially the best game ever. Whereas the older games, people have already made up their minds about them. And you might be influenced by, like, reviews or opinions of gurus and friends. With some games, you're just sort of like, do you want to come over and play Puerto Rico? That's the thing that you get tabled if you happen to be at a place and you're like, oh, let's play Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a battle-tested, time-honored, heavy-duty, European-style strategy game. It's great. Everybody knows it's a masterpiece. And everybody's played it. Well obviously, but people who are most likely to fall victim to the cult of the new, they've played it. Mm-hmm. They know what to expect from it, but they don't know what to expect from this other stuff. Have you felt the pull of the cult of the new? Oh, for sure. Oh, With several board games that people have been talking about lately, particularly XCOM, I've never played it before, <laughs> which is based on everyone, like, I just like, it's the, the Hansel of board games right now. It's so you, hot right now. You, you've said the X word. I know. I, I don't know if you heard me just going. You're part of the reason why I'm so excited to play yeah. this game. What what else are you guys excited about that you have another chance to get that it's that want want? I might be alone in this, but uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, the new Summoner Wars uh, alliances. Um, oh, there, there are plenty of people out on the uh, in the world of the internet who are excited about that. Yeah, just seeing mashups of the the various factions and new mechanics and how the mechanics play off of each other, I think, is going to be a fascinating experience that I want to. Yeah, you can finally build your own Summoner Wars army, which is yep. something you've never been able to do before. You just had these pre-made ones, and now you can say, all right, let's play Smash Up with, uh, with this. We're going to combine this with that. So Chaz Marler from uh, Pair of Dice Paradise said that when you look at a new game and you imagine what it would be like to play it with your friends, if the image in your mind looks really fun, then buying it is almost impossible to resist. And for me... Every time I have succumbed to the cult of the new, every time I've actually gone and just <laughs> must have and then brought it over the cash and plunked down the cash for it, it's basically been for that exact reason. Is that why you want these new games so much? Yeah, I would say so. There's um, a game that we just got into the cafe this week called Ladies and Gentlemen. <laughs> and just based on like the, the back and what it says the game's about, I want to buy it and I've never even played it. So, Do you know about this one, Dan? I haven't played it yet. There's a lot of positive word of word of, uh, you know at Snakes. A lot of staff members talking about how great it is. It's a game you got to play, but uh, haven't got around to it. It's uh, it, it's sort of Victorian. It's a mockery of Victorian culture where you have people playing in teams of husband and wife, 
And uh, of course, you can play cross-gender, and most of us will. I mean, I certainly will. Uh, but you can only talk to your spouse in character. That's the rule in the game. It's like, um, darling, I was hoping I could get this purse to go with me to the balls. I'm so terribly sorry, darling, but I'm afraid the contracts just haven't been coming in. So, uh, what? You, d- you don't care how you look at the ball, then? That's that's. The husbands have to earn the monies for the wives to spend and buy clothes, and whoever has the prettiest clothes at the end of the game wins. <laughs> <laughs> It's hilarious. it's a hilarious concept. I have no idea whether it's actually any good or not, but it, it it really has that pull of the cult of the new because it is so different. Because it's it, it offers an, the idea of an experience that's unlike anything you've had before. What else can make that shiny new game to something that you've gotta 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 have? Sometimes it's even a shiny old game, like an expansion for something. You know, you you right. own all of it. You just it's new. It's there. It's I love this game. Why would I not get more of that type of thing? And then sometimes you're a little bit disappointed with those things. Right? The desire to collect, the desire to have all the things. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> it's it's even worse now with the the Kickstarter craze and oh, uh, don't get me started about Kickstarter exclusives. I have to get the Kickstarter. Um, what was it? Coup with the shiny tokens instead of the boring regular uh, ones, which I have. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also find it's. The pieces themselves. If if the game looks pretty and has pretty fiddly bits, I'm in. Like Black Fleet. Like they didn't even tell me what it was, but I'm like, there's ships. Those ships are so gorgeous. And like I get to play with them, I'm in. You get to put the little cubes on the deck so they fit in the little boxes. And even stuff. the the cover or the components of things too is just you know this game looks amazing. I don't, I don't know what it's about. I haven't played it. I haven't researched it. But I, I don't really care. I want it. You were showing me the other day this board game that had these really cool components. Um, one of which was like a, a treasure chest that you actually had to build to put pieces in. Oh, Francis Drake. Francis Drake. It's so pretty. The board is so huge. And the, and, and it's 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 really pretty. And it's got little plastic ships. Not quite as awesome as the ones in Black Fleet. But the board is massive. And it's got all these awesome little bits and little jewels. And <laughs> this is that hype wagon we were just I, talking about. I, I think I may have a slight problem. <laughs> <laughs> so the cult of the new brings with it a problem. And that is the pile of shame. The pile of shame is that pile of games that you have in your collection that you bought thinking, oh, this is going to be so great. And that was quite some time ago, and you still haven't actually gotten around to getting it to the table. And if you don't feel ashamed about that, you really should, because games should be played, darn it. So let's just have some true confessions here. I'll start. My pile of shame includes 1812, The Invasion of Canada. It's an awesome light war game. So good. I've taught it dozens of times at the cafe, but I've never actually gotten it to the table. Uh, Divinare, another one I've taught a bunch of times at Snakes, but never got to bring out. It's a really cool guessing game where you're mediums, trying to, trying to show who's the best psychic. Um, I don't think my expansion for uh, Robinson Crusoe, The Voyage of the Beagle, counts for this, though, because I only got it a little while ago, and I've still been playing Robinson Crusoe. So how about you two? Uh, Dan, what, what is your pile of shame? Before? Mine is enormous and ridiculous and sad. Oh um, the first one that comes to mind, because it's still in the shrink and it's massive, would be uh, Galaxy Trucker. Um, I'm pretty positive there's a game that I really like in there. Uh, it's just every time I've played it previously, it's always been with um, Steve Tassie. Uh, it was really, oh, really good. We all at love the game. Steve Tassie here in the Snakes cast. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good at the game. Um, uh, he's but, good at most games he plays, which is why the Secret Alliance against Steve rule kind yep. of. But I've played it maybe like twice, and I, I'm pretty sure I like it. So I bought the entire massive collection of it, haven't opened it up. Space Alert's on there. It's, uh, you haven't played Space Alert? I owned the expansion before I owned uh, the base game. 
I finally got the base game. I haven't got around to it. That yeah. is shameful indeed. Uh, Descent, I own like... I played maybe two games of Descent, and I own all of the expansions. It's... And you haven't played any of them? Nope. Oh my uh, goodness. It's one of those things. It's a regular gaming group type experience. Right. And you need to be the same people. Yeah, you've started a Descent campaign. Yeah, we're so. playing tonight, actually. Every Wednesday, we play Descent. Oh, well, I've got some expansions for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how long does that list, Dan? Uh, I'd say there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen other items. On That's there. probably more than a lot of people listening to this podcast have in their collections, That's period. True. So, all right, that's you. You are aware of the shame. Yes, massive. So, all right, Mandy, you're relatively new compared to us. Relatively new to the hobby, I would say, like probably almost two years now. But I have at least three games, three or four that I've never opened or played. Let's see. Anything you feel particularly ashamed of? Dice Town. Oh, it's so good. I know, and I got again seduced by all the fiddly bits. There's a cup. There's dice. There's like little. Little gold nuggets. Little gold nuggets. I was like, I'm in. I want this. Still in the shrink wrap. Yinch is in the shrink wrap as well. It's a hard game to sell to my friends because they're not gamers. So that's I why. see. Yeah. yeah, Yinch looks like. Oh, you have to be smart to play that. All right. So, what do these games have in common? What? How come we haven't played these things yet? I think uh, sometimes it's familiarity with them. Um, I mean, for me, Galaxy Trucker, I don't have a lot of experience with, so I'd have to relearn the game and. Uh, teach it to a group. So sometimes you buy something in the intention of doing that and it just sits there because you have so many other things in the collections quite often, you know. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, this is the perfect game for right now. If I want to do a space game with moving stuff around, maybe I'll just do something light. Mm. I'd say for me, it's I don't often have people over. Um, and when we do, it's usually not the kind of people who like to play games. Right. I usually go to their houses to play games. So what gets played often is games that I can interest my friends in, like Kittens in a Blender, because... Sure. The name itself sells most people. It's hilarious. <laughs> that's and, that's um, a good point, too. Like, uh, as we get older, it becomes harder to get uh, groups of people together. A lot of people start having kids and other responsibilities. And being else. an adult sucks. Yep. Not yep. much time to play. I, I actually get people over to play games fairly often. The thing is, though, that it's not that often that those particular people are the sort who are interested in something like 1812 or Divinari. I, I had this image in my mind of what it would be like to play these things with them, and they're just... Mm. That's, that's always the thing about games. You, you can't play them alone. They're, they're social activities, and without friends who are also going to enjoy them, they're just basically not there. So how can you get excited about new games coming out when you still have these fantastic old games that you haven't played? I think uh, the one that really surprised me recently is I actually went back, and there's something that's been sitting on my collection for almost 10 years, or even more, and that was El Grande. I, uh, I had never played it before. I bought it on a whim, and it just sat on my shelf. And I was like, oh, it's got this artwork on it. I'm not the fan of, <laughs> big fan of the artwork. The artwork then, is it's, it's the traditional Euro-style grumpy guy on yep. cover <laughs> uh, with, with, with sepia color scheme <laughs> and it's the deluxe in, medi- in medieval Spain. It's, it's a classic game, though. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's like Puerto Rico. It's one of those games that it's, everybody knows it. Well, again, not everybody. Everybody who's most vulnerable to the pile of shame syndrome knows about it. And it just kind of gets forgotten, which is a shame because it's fantastic. A great game. Have you ever played El Grande? No. It's uh, it's sort of the uh, the mother of all area majority games. Games where you've got a board divided into spaces and people are putting their colored pieces into these spaces. And at certain times, whoever's got the most of their pieces in each space is going to get points. Uh, in the case of El Grande, it's first place, second place, and third place in each of these areas that's going to score. And each region scores differently. So, all right, how hard am I going to go for this region? How hard am I going to go for that one? Who am I going to go up against? And, uh, it, oh. That's a different pitch than I use. I, I say it's a game about jamming dudes in a Castillo. 
(laughs) (laughs) The Castile is is one of those bits that would today, even today, would be a shiny, awesome thing. It's this little tower. It's this black tower, maybe uh, six inches high, and it's open on the top, and you just drop things in. It's this thin little thing, so you can't see into it, but people are just dropping things in and dropping things in, and at certain points, you're going to lift it up and say, oh, who's got the most? Okay. That actually sounds really good. Nothing not to love there. But um, so you, you did actually manage to bring out the, when you brought out something from your pile of shame, it did well. Yeah. So how come this doesn't happen more often? Why? Why does this happen to us? How do we keep wind up getting more and more things and not playing them? So every old game was new once. It doesn't make sense to just stop buying new games altogether, or, or does it? I mean, is, is, is cold turkey a solution to the cult of the new? Is this something that... I actually think I heard someone say that they weren't allowed to buy a new game until they played the last one that they bought. It might have been Steve, actually, who made that rule. But I think that's a good rule to have. It's a I, tough rule to abide by, but it makes a lot of sense. If I had abided by that rule, I would have probably two less bookcases filled with books. Bookcases and another, another hard rule is the my bookcase is full. I've got over 200 board games. Can't get anyone until you get rid of an old one? Exactly. I uh, I had that rule for a while, and then I got new bookcases. <laughs> and, um, so, all right, that, that that that's one way to do it: is the one game in, one game out sort of approach, or the not allowed to play, uh, not to, not allowed to buy new game until I've played old game, which also does a lot to sort of um, avoid the issue of having that image in your head because it really, really makes you not want to buy a new game until you've already made plans. You've, you've got the friends over, so we're going to play this, right? We're on Thursday, you're coming over, we're going to play this thing, right? Okay, I'm going to go buy it now. I suppose it's a very, very hard and fast way to do it, but realistically, do you think you can keep to that kind of discipline? No. I think it's probably just something you tell yourself. Like, oh, I have this rule. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't have a problem with buying new shiny board games. Sometimes you just have regrets, too. Like, uh, we, when we got Dead of Winter in the cafe, I didn't realize it was just going to sell out that moment and it became so like hard to get back the holy in. grail of board games impossible yeah. to get I'd, I'd love to own that thing but and so there's 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 pressure to buy it now while you still can yes and kickstarter games are horrible for this because you got to get those exclusives and there there is a lifespan with board games quite often things will go out of print and just never come back into print and they might be just fine games that'd be great to own but it's definitely different than like let's say like movies or books because you know you could talk yourself out of buying the book because it'll kind of always be around if it's by like a famous enough author same with a movie um but board games like they have like we couldn't get duke back in the cafe for retail for a year there's there's something to be said too i mean there's some games that are always going to come back into print for survives a great example of that Mm. it's been through so many iterations over the years that came out in the what was it the early 80s late 70s 82 83 something like that yeah and it's it's gone through ridiculous plastic components you know wooden components the The latest edition is great three modern editions way better than the one we have when we were kids Yep, I, I have the first printing of the uh, modern edition, and the I wish I had the 50th anniversary, just because I think it's slightly better. <laughs> yeah, usually the tent poles do get reprinted, but there are others that slip between the cracks. One game that I really wish I'd bought when I had the chance is Manila. It's this awesome little betting game. Got a great gambling sort of thing. You're loading up boats with black market goods, and they're struggling upriver to get to port, and you take turns putting your people into spots where they can profit from stuff that might happen, and you make a small investment, which uh, which might make a big reward. Or you can, but it's not that likely to happen. Or you can make an investment in something that's much more likely to happen, but the reward isn't that big. The, the rights to that game are sort of in limbo at this point, though. Things like Avalon Hills Dune, where the uh, where the Frank Herbert estate has sort of pushed the, the IP of that property into, into limbo. 
I think um, I might as well say right now, like El Grande is just coming back into print because we're just talking about that. That's true. Unfortunately, it's been fifteen years almost. It's unfortunately El Grande is that giganto edition. They're not doing like a bare bones on yeah. just the base game, which is all I want. Oh, uh, that's too bad. I didn't really want a million jillion expansions to go with it for a hundred dollars. I haven't played any of those expansions yet. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, gosh. I, I was kind of hoping to be able to provide some really realistic solutions to this, but mostly, uh, sorry, listeners, you're on your own. <laughs> Can you offer any advice for people who might be on the verge of succumbing to the cult of the new or for people who have a big pile of shame at home? You could probably retroactively look back at your big collection of board games. Uh, board game cafes, actually. Let's let's face it. Yeah, it's great that you have that in your house, but... You can try new stuff. Go try the Cult of the New. You know, actually experience the game before you buy it. Well, um, the, the stuff that's most popular, the stuff that you're most likely to see having the Cult of the New, that big shiny red button there, we probably have it in the library. Oh, yeah. And it's it's good to be able to experience before, try before you buy. You know, it's uh, you learn if you like it or not. There's gonna... some games that you you can play over and over and over again. Those are the ones worth investing in. But there are certain other games that may be new, that may be popular, but you may only enjoy it for one play, and then you're like, eh, scratch that itch. Don't need to play it again. And then you would save yourself the money that way. And if you do feel that itch, then you can you can pick it up. And if you don't, then that's great. You got the experience of playing. Oh, thank goodness. Actual useful advice. Thank you so yes. much, guys. All right. We hope you enjoyed this little discussion. If you have any particular feelings about the cult of the new or your pile of shame, or if you'd like to share your shame with others, uh, some other topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast, focus on Facebook, Use the contact form. We would love to hear from you. Dan, Mandy, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Snakescast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Same time next week, folks. Game on. Game on.